Caution. What you are about to listen to could be dangerous for anyone wishing to live a normal, safe life at the end of a cheesy cul-de-sac. Back to Jerusalem podcasts are not made in sterile recording studios with professional DD DJs, but instead behind enemy lines with horrible acoustics, bad internet connections, and suspicious-looking coffee. Listening to Back to Jerusalem podcasts could include unwanted side effects like selling your house, leaving your boring job, and uncontrollable desires to speak strange foreign languages. So buckle up, strap in, and hold on, because this is Fast Train, baby, to all those places your mother warned you about. And now, for your host, the man known for having a radio face, Eugene Bach, coming to you live on delay in 5, 4, 3, 2... Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Thailand, where I'm sitting together with David Johannes. David, good to finally be together with you. I know that we've been talking together uh, by phone and Facebook and email, and we even attempted one prior podcast that did not turn out so well. You came across a little digital, but it's nice to be sitting side by side with you here on the field. Here we are right together in in, uh, Thailand. And yeah, it is exciting. I'm glad I don't sound as much like a robot as I did last (laughs) time. Uh, did sound pretty cool last time, but yeah, it's great to have you. Great to, it's, it's awesome how God takes these relationships. You meet each other online and connect and here we are sitting side by side, dreaming up visions and ideas of how to reach the nations better with the gospel of Jesus, taking it where it's not gone before. So, yes, I agree. Great to be here with you. Yeah. We are traveling together right now with a couple Chinese that are from China. Uh, We are setting the stage for uh, several Chinese uh, workers to come outside of China to be here and uh, connect here in Thailand. And this is kind of home for you. Uh, How long have you been here? I've been here for three years this coming June 1st. So just in a couple days here, it'll be our third anniversary of being in Thailand. Smallest city I've ever lived in Asia. (laughs) We've been in Manila, 20-some million people. We lived in Kunming, about 8 million people. So, yeah, this is now where we call home. And you are working together with the Chinese. You've been living in China for several years. So uh, you, you're kind of an old veteran now when it comes to Chinese ministries. H- how long did you live in China altogether? I moved there when I was 18. I lived there altogether about 17 years, but I've been ministering there for the last 20 years. Um, when you call me an old veteran, I always <laughs> snickered to myself. Uh, it's a compliment, I know. But, uh, I, yeah, I'm 38 years old now. And God's been faithful to give me these incredible experiences, especially in the rural areas of China. That's where I come alive. You know, give me the big cities. I'll do fine. I'll get around in the markets. But those rural regions, um, agrarian landscapes, you've never heard the gospel of Jesus, unreached tribes, that's where I really come alive. And yeah, working along the under, underground China Chinese church and seeing breakthrough among uh, some really unique places and regions. And you guys are working together with underground house church members in, like you said, the rural tribal areas. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like what's taking place right now? Like what you guys are doing right now, I know you don't have to give away details that might blow up your security, but give us something fun. Okay, here's something fun. <laughs> Last month, uh, we had four teams come from around the world. They visited, and they got to see with their own eyes some of the unique things that are happening. One of our out- We have six outreach centers at Within Reach Global. One of them 
is targeting Buddhist monks and reaching them with the gospel. In fact, one of our local missionaries, who, by the way, can't walk without uh, without a cane or without uh, crutches, he goes into these villages regularly with a pair of scissors, with some toenail clippers, and he gives pedicures and cuts the toenails of these monks. Have you ever seen the feet? I just got done eating. I just yeah. got done eating, and I was just about to say that. Have you ever seen the feet of the people that live in the villages and the toenails that kind of you know reach over and grab stuff for you? Yeah, uh, as uh, Napoleon Dynamite would say, do the, <laughs> do the chickens have large talons? Uh, you, they this are... is the first Napoleon Dynamite reference we've ever had on a B2J podcast. Yeah, you're welcome for that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it is. It, but you look at that, and these monks are sitting down, reclining in a chair. One, this humble, um, some would call crippled, he doesn't realize he's handicapped himself, our local missionary, cutting the toenails, washing the feet of these monks, that will create an entrance into a, a village where, by the way, these, these Buddhist monks hold a lot of clout and a lot of, have a lot of say over the village. We're seeing a... Re- is this a Han Chinese? This is not Han Chinese. This is, this is one of the uh, lesser-known tribes, and uh, I'm not going to mention their name now, but yeah. there are... In- no, I mean the evangelist. The evangelist. Is he Han Chinese? He is not Han Chinese, actually. Okay. Our team is made up of about eight different ethnic people groups. Okay. So they're the tribes of uh, southwest China. Oh, excellent. And so he he is just, the, again, the nameless, faceless ones. You'll never see his name in lights. You'll never see his face on the front cover of, bo- of a book. But I'm telling you, when we all stand together in glory and you see him, you're going to realize that he is those one of those nameless, faceless heroes that are planting churches, cutting the toenails of monks, and seeing people set free and brought into the kingdom. I think it's pretty awesome. I mean, what an act of service. I mean, to to humble yourself before others and serve them really does open up the hearts of people that are unreached. That's right. And again, it sounds quite biblical, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it these are the simple things that Jesus called us to do and modeled himself as well. And I think that's what we're so passionate about. You guys at Back to Jerusalem, uh, within Reach Global, it's that servant servant heart, um, that servant leadership, really, of taking the message of grace and glory to places that have never seen it and then modeling it for them. Uh, I, I, I remember doing Perspectives on the World Christian Movement 20-some years ago at Teen Mania Ministries when I was an intern at Teen Mania. And we got to a certain point in the book, Perspectives on the World Christian Movement, about cultural keys once you enter into a people group. Every time I would get to a village, I'd think, oh, God, what is the cultural key? What if I can't find it and I can't reach this group? You know what I found the cultural key was? Slapping an old man on the back, um, hugging a little child, blowing up one of those long balloons and twisting it into the shape of a little doggy or giraffe. Life on life, human interaction, that's this transference of spiritual DNA that really changes lives. So from the time that you first arrived in China, what what was it that brought you? What what You said that you've been there for more than 20 years. So that means if you're 38 now, that means that you started pretty young, uh, unless you're lying to me about your age, which I don't think you are. I'm sitting right next to you, and we're about the same age almost. Um, you said you, you went with Team Mania, and that was how old were you? I first went to, on a Teen Mania mission trip to Hong Kong when I, I turned 16, actually, in, in China. But back up a little bit, when I was three years old, I was looking at National Geographic magazine, looked up to my mom. This is 1981. <laughs> I'm three years old, and I said, 
Mommy, I want to bring bread to the kids of China, I told her. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. And years later, 15 years, or about uh, 12 years later, I turned 16 in Hong Kong. We're smuggling Bibles into China. But you have code words for Bibles. You don't ever call them Bibles when you're crossing from Hong Kong to China. You called it bread. And you call the tracks crumbs. And so I remember a gray day in Shenzhen, sheets of rain coming down on a torrential day. And I hand this Bible across to a man who'd never seen one before. And the Holy Spirit spoke, you are bringing bread to the people of China. That was a real powerful time for me. And that's, I remember specifically, that was the night that I went back to Hong Kong and said, Lord, you can have my life for China. I was 16 at that point, And two years later, I moved to China. So 16, you started. I can remember when I first started, I first started working in China. Uh, I was 22 or 23. And uh, I got wrapped on the hands. I remember for the first time when I said missionary, uh, the word missionary while I was in China. And, um, you know, they said, you never say missionary. You always say tourist or M. Yeah, yeah. tourist or M. <laughs> you got breadcrumbs. You got M for missionaries. Is there any other words that you can think of? Yeah, if you're ever going to email back to Jerusalem or within Reach Global, make sure you're bless you. No, I'm just joking. It's funny how sometimes we have a tendency to be uh, like very stealthy and try yep. to be spies. Yep. But the reality is, I remember putting, I remember having these big bags of Bibles and putting forks and spoons and knives so that when they went through the x-ray machine, they would get distracted. Yeah. I mean, it's so silly and ridiculous. In the end, it's the grace of God yeah. who keeps people on the field and brings safety. And also, by the way, I have to mention one of the other promises of Jesus is persecution. Okay, it, it will come. It's inevitable. And don't be too paranoid or afraid of it. Be bold, be strong, and uh, receive it as a blessing of yep. Jesus. It's, it's promise. Yeah, I, I, I listen to the person, and I, under, I try to be careful around people that use code, code words. Um, but I'm often thinking to myself, do you really think that there are people listening to this conversation? And they're thinking, if only we could break the code. We would be able to figure out what they're saying, but we can't break this complicated code. They must be speaking Navajo, you know, or something, because <laughs> like like wind talkers, um, because we just can't figure out what B stands for. We can't. We, we we don't understand what bread is. We don't understand what the M's are. These M's, you know, they must be anyway. Uh, I, I I've often thought to myself, do we really think we're fooling anybody? Because just the fact that. People come in from other countries, primarily if you're from America or Europe and you're white. In the 1990s and the early 2000s, most Chinese knew what you were doing. They may not be able to prove the extent of what you were doing, but they were suspicious. And they were suspicious enough for you to be cautious. So even today in China, we are extremely cautious. Um, and so we, we watch what we are doing and we try to be wise about it. But on the same token... I guess what we're saying is be nice to the ni to the new guy. You know, be a little bit easy on the new guy. If he doesn't know the code words, it's okay. Maybe a uh, a, a secret police officer might come out of the bushes and give him the right word to say in the future. Shh, hey, you, psst, come over here. You're supposed to say M. <laughs> we make for bad spies sometimes, right? Um, so just PR at sign Y for that brother, and uh, maybe he'll catch the code. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, in the end is the grace of God. Yeah. Uh, you know, you want to be wise as serpent. You want to have that serpentine wisdom with the innocence of doves. And just like Jesus, you know, he's standing being drilled 
They say, are you the son of God? No answer from Jesus. Are you the son of God? No answer. The people are saying you're the son of God. And Jesus turns around to Pilate and says, oh, you're saying I'm the son of God? Why, thank you. We miss the <laughs> facetious wit of Jesus. But he was wise as serpents when it was time to be silent and innocent as a dove and his honesty as well. So uh, everything you've ever heard about China is true somewhere. Yeah, but exactly. But uh, the whole point, I think, of this conversation is to remember your brothers and sisters who live amongst uh, an, a precarious situation in persecution, perhaps, or physical harm. And we did an earlier podcast with you. There may be listeners this time that didn't hear that earlier podcast. You've actually been detained on several occasions inside of China. Never any bamboo up my fingernails yet. <laughs> uh, but yes, about 22 times I have been questioned and interrogated, sometimes in sugarcane factories, always in the middle of the night. Uh, sometimes very heated, and a number of my local missionaries, I'm talking Chinese brothers and sisters um, that I partner with and are my heroes, uh, have been beaten up, cigarette butt burns have been on their face, and have been physically harmed. So uh, when that happens, are you a little scared? Are you a little nervous? For me personally, actually, I, I've never sensed that feeling of, of fear but I do have this fatherly spirit come over me just wanting the safety of my brothers and sisters. But, yeah, I've been interrogated 22 times in China. It's not fun. Yeah, no, I, I'm i usually, for me, I almost would rather go through some of the questioning because I've, I've been detained and, and questioned, nothing big. Um, but sometimes it's always the run-up before the question that I kind of have the most anxiety when I know I'm carrying something or I'm working with someone or I'm doing something. I was speaking in a church in Zhengzhou uh, about a month ago. And as I was speaking, it was an, it was an, it was not an official church, but it was not a hidden church. It was a, it was a big building with a big fat cross outside. Inside was pews and a, and a, a platform up front with a pew, with a, uh, with a, um, a uh, podium and um, as I was speaking I see a police officer come in the back and take a seat I would have rather probably him go ahead and stop me and question me than to take a seat which he did he took a seat and at the, at the end of the service um, I still don't know why he was there so I changed my, my message into a very humanitarian one um, but I would have almost rather have been questioned than to continue talking with him sitting in the back and me wondering, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go through a process in my head and still stay on a line of track while I'm preaching, which was not easy. I would catch myself, uh, you know, the translator would be translating for me and then would be done translating and there would be a moment of silence because I'm kind of debating on what to do with this guy and still try to stay on with my message. But I always have that buildup of anxiety prior to an actual detention or anything. Um, sometimes I find that actually worse than being detained yeah. and then you, the That's relief the that you have at the end you know when you're when you're walking away is like wow that is a that is a big and i get i for me personally i get canker sores which are these big <laughs> sores inside my mouth so whenever i i have a big test whenever i have a big meeting and i'm the one putting together the meeting whenever i have a lot of stress I usually get these canker sores that pop up on my mouth. I have the same thing happen to me. Really? Yeah, my <laughs> wife will attest. I'm not just being a kiss up here. 
Yeah, I, I get these sores in my mouth. And so I can always tell, you know, after I've had that stress, that anxiety of thinking I'm going to be detained and probably don't, thinking I'm going to be stopped and I don't. Um, when I was writing the book, Underground Church of China, I went to a place called Putao um, Shan. Uh, which is uh, where they used to have the cave where the underground church would come together and train all their big missionaries or whatever. So I went to go get a picture for that book, and the police had a roadblock checking all the cars as they were going through, and they happened to skip our car. But before they skipped our car, we were 10 cars back. So it was like 10 minutes of going from car to car thinking, what am I going to say? What am, What story am I going to come up with? And that nervousness was 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 probably more pressure than just going through the actual questioning. I, I totally agree. <laughs> it's all in the mind. It's not always all in the mind, yeah. but we uh, definitely have that tendency to overthink and get a bunch of mouthful of canker sores. That's no fun. <laughs> you can always tell when uh, we've been interrogated by the police, huh? Mouthful of canker sores. Yes. But, uh, no, I mean, in the end, you it is a, it's just a big power struggle. And I think we probably mentioned all this. For you to get a taste, you're listening to this. Who knows where you are? You might be in the comfort of your living room. Maybe you're somewhere else. But you've got to realize this is, this is, the, um, this is the persecuted church. This is our brothers and sisters who we're talking about here. Don't forget them. These are, these are the realities. How to undergo interrogation. How to, what to say under these pressures. We don't necessarily lear- learn that in Sunday school. Right. But in our context, what we're talking about at Back to Jerusalem within Reach Global, I mean, this is something we talk about regularly. And that's a reality that you need to remember and understand that these are our brothers and sisters. You need to be praying for them. Continue to do so. Well, thank you so much for doing the podcast together with us. We didn't even get started on some of those things I was hoping we could. Uh, unfortunately, I have to make my way to the to the airport. But thank you so much for spending some time with us, David. If people want to know more about your guys' ministry, where do they go? Make sure you head on over to WithinReachGlobal.org. And you can also check out our Facebook page, Within Reach Global, on Facebook. I also blog at David Joannis. That's my name, D-A-V-I-D-J-O-A. N-N-E-S dot com, davidjoannis.com, and uh, there you'll find the first chapter of my soon-to-be-released book for free, and I uh, really love for you to grab that. Hopefully it inspires you for the things God's doing. But yeah, on honor, again, great to meet you face-to-face, uh, and we'll have to keep staying in touch and change the world. Yeah, great to meet you, man. Great to hang out with you. Great to be able to do this podcast together. Uh, again, it's withinreachglobal.org. Uh, Yep, withinreachglobal.org. So you can go there and find out more about what David and his team is doing in China today. It's such a blast to be able to connect with brothers and sisters that have the same heart, same goal, causing the same trouble as the Back to Jerusalem missionaries are doing. Thank you so much for joining us again at Back to Jerusalem. Again, I'm Eugene Bach coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Thailand. God bless you. There's a simple way for us to help ISIS victims. Drink tea. It's that simple. By drinking a cup of Back to Jerusalem Chinese tea, you will bring hope to the refugees displaced by ISIS. It is a healthy way to make a difference. So invite friends and family to your home for a Bible study around a warm pot of organic Chinese tea. Does your church have a cafe? Add Back to Jerusalem tea to the menu. 
All profits go to help ISIS victims in Iraq and Syria. My name is Jung, and I am an unashamed follower of Jesus Christ. It is considered quite dangerous for me to share the contents of this book, but these are stories that need to be told for God's glory and the encouragement of the church. So begins the extraordinary first-person account of a prominent leader of one of the largest underground churches in China. This dramatic true story is told in Back to Jerusalem's latest book, I Stand with Christ, by Eugene Bach. I Stand with Christ is a detailed account about a former Communist Party member who took a stand for his faith in Jesus and was targeted for prison, work camps, and torture. See how he goes from the prison cell of China's maximum security prison to leading one of the largest underground house churches of 10 million believers. Be amazed at this true story of suffering, sacrifice, and triumph. I Stand With Christ is available at www.backtojerusalem.com or where books are sold. <laughs>